0: It's time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect, and I am your host, Mitch Michaels. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in today. I promise today's show is going to be a great one. First, we have Matt Zickis, returning guest, coming on to talk NFL wildcard playoff weekend. We're going to pick all the games, yes, all the games, even that Oakland-Houston one, talk a little bit about his Chicago Bears and the NFL awards races across the various positions, rookies, MVP, coach of the year, what have you. And then Brenna Haven, another returning guest, is going to come by to talk college basketball, talk a little D.C. sports, as well as some Alabama football at the end. You're not going to want to miss that. It's the Money Mitch Effect, Friday edition, first Friday of 2017. Let's get after it. money in fact it's the return of Matt Zickis. Matt, thanks for joining the show. You're officially a recurring guest now. Second appearance means you made the club. So congratulations on that. Thank
1: you very much, Mitch. It's, uh, it feels fantastic to make yeah. the leap from uh, rookie to veteran. It's yeah. Veteran that I'm you know it's just it's good to know you a
0: veteran present. Well it's Wild Card Weekend. We're all excited about that. We're going to finally start playing, having some playoff games here in the NFL. we got four uh, interesting ones to get to, which we will get to for the majority of this conversation in just a moment. But first, Matt, I want to check back in with you on the Chicago side of things as a Bears fan. Not the most ideal season for you, obviously. But you know, we were talking before, and I kind of had a feeling that there's probably more optimism than there's been in the last month or so. With how this Spirits team is going to go into offseason? Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I do think there's more optimism, but I think it comes from a different area than it has come from the last couple of years, last half decade maybe. Uh, before, a lot of the optimism was about maybe this is the year, you know, Jay Cutler brings it all together. You know, maybe right. we get that defense is coming around to be like some of those great lovey defenses. But that's not what the optimism is going to be at all this year. It's for once, Sort of seeing, and maybe I'm by myself as a Bears fan a little bit. I don't think so, because there's certainly plenty of Bears fans who are not happy. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I guess, a few of those. you know, maybe I gave up so long ago that as we get into the playoffs here, I'm not as uh, downtrodden as maybe some other Bears fans might be. But the reason I'm optimistic, and I think plenty of other Bears fans are, is because you see a lot of young talent that it just hasn't been there the last couple of years in real young talent. I'm not talking about. Reasons to be optimistic or guys who could, you know, fill important roles like real contributors, potential stars. Guys like Leonard Floyd showed some flashes. Wasn't all that consistent, at least uh, to the level you'd like to see. But for a rookie on a team that was absolutely decimated by injuries and could not uh, get it together all season, he showed plenty of flashes. Cody Whitehair was one of the best uh, young linemen in the league. It's a different reason that I feel like it just wasn't... uh, a reason in seasons past we are like, you know, this is the reason to be uh, excited. The young guys, Jordan Howard, I uh, can't forget to mention Jordan Howard.
0: Uh, that was amazing what he's done. <clears throat> Jordan Howard, I, it caught a lot of us by surprise. Me, me, for one, I never thought that he would finish the league second. I, I checked the stats the next day. I knew he had a good year. Yeah. Part of it was the consistency factor. He just turned out game after game and was always there and always available and ready to play, even when... His quarterback position went up in flames, both injury and on the field.
1: And if he uh, had the same amount of carries as Ezekiel Elliott, they would be almost neck and oh, neck. They were okay. almost identical yeah. in yards per carry, except Jordan Howard, I want to say, had something like 40, 50 fewer carries. So, you know, they, he was right there with them, and I he didn't have uh, Dallas' offensive <laughs> line or, or those other offensive weapons. He didn't have uh, consistent quarterback play, uh, and he did it, you know, without th- that type of help. When they drafted Jordan Howard, I was way more excited to see what Jordan Howard could do than about Jeremy Langford being the guy. They just anointed him, right? Like, it was kind of weird how Forte got in
0: out of town, and now it's the Langford show. I was a a little wary of that myself.
1: Strong finish to the 2015 season uh, that I think got some people excited because they knew that Forte was probably not going to be back, and it was uh, just maybe something they could look forward to in the coming season. Right. I was optimistic, but I was never sold I always felt like Jordan Howard was going to eventually be the guy. It happened maybe a little quicker than I thought. They seemed to turn to Howard and away away from Langford pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a fantastic development to see him finish second, I think is extremely surprising. You're right. I mean, that probably caught a lot of people off guard and to no fault to him, but he probably didn't get as much exposure as maybe he would have if there wasn't uh, a rookie in front of him, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Stealing the spotlight.
0: It's fair to say that. And I think there is some young talent. It's more than a lot of teams that finish poor. Obviously the Browns included. But I look at the one area as that quarterback position. And then also, I guess, the side area that's connected to that, the receiver. What's Kevin White's status? This highly touted draft pick that hasn't been able to get on the field. He's looked good when he has been on
1: there, though. Kevin White... To me, at this point, it's just, you know, if you get anything... It's house
0: money. (laughs) uh, If you get
1: anything, great. If you don't, I mean, you just chalk it up as a lost pick. I mean, there's not much more to it. I think it's one thing when a guy is just lost to injury and can't stay on the field for more than a couple games at a time. It's way more frustrating when you draft a guy really high and he's there every game and doesn't do anything. So... If, you know, Kevin White was out there 16 games a year and was on the field for, you know, 30, 40 snaps on offense, and he was putting up the same numbers, yeah, I'd be absolutely disappointed, would not even begin to uh, uh, summarize my feelings. Well,
0: it was an interesting season. It didn't go the way you would have hoped, but some promise at the end, and hey... At least Elshon Jeffrey said that are going to the Super Bowl next year, so that's pretty cool. I
1: mean, whatever we he's talking about, I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. He's already got a future team in mind. He's it sounds like yeah. for free agency. I, that I would be, be like very it. surprised if he was back in <laughs> Chicago. It just doesn't seem like now is a wise time to spend that kind of money. So.
0: And I like keeping Fox, though, serious. I think that was – you can't pay it yet.
1: I was pleased with it. I, I I don't chalk up a lot of the struggles this year to what uh, the decisions uh, the, the coaching staff made. It's just I look at – how the injuries totally changed up at what they wanted to do. And then, you know, Jay Cutler was Jay Cutler. Matt Barkley was Matt Barkley. Uh, Brian Hoyer <laughs>
0: cameo in there. Was... Brian
1: Hoyer, you know, I would love uh, if Brian Hoyer could have stayed on, not gotten hurt. I think it would have been interesting, but you know, yeah. so it's a lost season. I try not to get too caught up in it. Fortunately, uh, the bears are a team that generally speaking, haven't been in the cellar for too long. They've, Going on what three or three or four seasons in a row now that they've finished last in the NFC North. Disappointing, but uh, I am optimistic.
0: Yeah. Hey, that's that's good positivity there. I don't I don't think it's gonna be that far off either if they make a couple. And
1: I think they're absolutely decisions. one of those teams that if they have a strong offseason, good draft, sign the right guys, a couple of breaks go their way, they're right in the mix next year.
0: It certainly could be. Well, Matt Zick is on the money. Mitch Effect. It's time to start previewing these playoff games, Wildcard Weekend, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. We're gonna go right in order, and by nature, I think the order of these games builds up to how good these games should be. At least for how excited I am for these games. We got to start with the Saturday afternoon game. It's the Houston Texans time slot, 4:30. <laughs> it really is though. At this point, like they've got it, they make the playoffs. They, they don't get a buy. They pretty much know that they're in this game. They're playing a Raiders team that is down to a third-string quarterback, which we thought would be a potential beatdown a couple months ago of whoever the second AFC West team is against the AFC South champ. And now suddenly you have the Texans at home favored by 3.5 points. I still don't know how you predict this game from a betting standpoint. There's no way I would go anywhere near this game. But, Matt, is the Houston defense enough to give them a slight edge at home?
1: I don't think so I don't think so All right, Uh, riding this
0: Connor Cook here we go
1: no not so much Connor Cook it's more that you know the Raiders is tough as it was to see Derek Carr go down and I don't know if you got to hear they had him mic'd up and uh, it's on NFL.com they had him mic'd up and you know the Raiders I I would have to assume they were okay with releasing the clip but you know you can see he knew right away that it was broke and it's tough to watch it's really tough to watch I would is yes. it, as I'm telling everyone it's tough to watch, I would also say go find it, check it out, because it's really interesting to see, and it gives you a chance to kind of take a peek at a part of the game you don't really get to see. Yeah, I mean, we see these mic'd yeah. up segments all the time, but to see a moment like this, mm-hmm. it's it's a different dynamic altogether. It was tough to see, but I think over the course of the regular season, the Raiders, they've done enough, even though the defense has given up almost uh <laughs> one of the worst defenses in terms of yards per play over the course of the season. I still like the team. They have that mojo. I don't know. There's just something about it. And Khalil Mack, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, has been an absolute beast mm-hmm. over the last couple weeks of the season. Houston, they just they just don't do it. They just do not do it. I'll, uh, I'll play the stats game
0: here really quickly. I know I've it's got, not on stats. The Texans, number one defense in yards allowed, and Raiders are all the way down at twenty six. The secondary. I, I hear what you say about Mac. He's and probably is probably my vote for defensive player of the year. But if they're not getting pressure, if they're not getting to the quarterback, that secondary has been gashed all year. Now what's going for them is Brock Osweiler's playing against them. So my biggest concern in this game is can that Oakland pass rush, that's really their chance to win this game? Because I think they have to win this game in a low-scoring fashion. I don't really like... Well, I think it's safe to say it's going to yeah. be a <laughs> right? yeah. So I just don't know. I mean, I'll say from that side of the field, the Oakland defense, they're getting better. They're getting some guys back healthy. And Del Rio is a heck of a coach. He made his bones on the defensive side of the ball. If there's a team outside of maybe New England that I trust to kind of weather the storm right now, it might be Del Rio and company.
1: And here's, here's the reason why... You might do that. I think if they can just be conservative with Connor Cook, find a way to stay in the game. It's and that's where the defense is going to have to come in. It, but if they can find a way on offense, just play smart football. Don't get crazy. Be conservative. Don't put them in a position to make mistakes. And I know that it sounds easy uh, when you say it, and it's extremely difficult in practice. The Raiders in that type of game are much better suited, I think, to pull this one out. They've shown over the course of the season that they're more polished. They've come up bigger in crunch time, and you know Derek Carr obviously a huge part of that. But the Texans have been on the opposite side of that. They've struggled. They can't, you know, win these tight games. I like uh,
0: Jalen Richard though to have a big game if they're going to be a factor. And that's and that's what's going to run the ball more. Absolutely,
1: what it's going to take.
0: He is a beast. I mean, it's just in terms of how physically big he is and how physical a runner he is. I think for them to win, he's going to have to be a monster.
1: A couple stats that really jumped out to me looking at this one. The Texans, a minus 49 point differential. It's the worst in the league. It's one of the worst <laughs> in the last 30 years Unreal. for a playoff team. In the turnover battle, Houston, minus 7 on the season. Oakland, plus 16. A massive margin in the, the turnover battle. The Texans, it's, one of the, it's the worst in the league amongst playoff teams. Again, if the Raiders can just play smart and keep it tight, This is a game they can win.
0: You know, and I think, too, both these teams have to trust their running backs. Lamar Miller, if we're going to get a full dose of him, we don't know. He's a guy that's got to do less than the burden on Osweiler. And and as bad as Brock's been, benched twice in a row now with the playoffs on the line, and now he gets another chance with Houston. Worst passer in the league throwing downfield. I mean, I look at the stats. It's under, like, 25% past 15 yards. I mean, he just cannot throw. And... You know, I'm starting to talk myself into Oakland because that's where they've been getting burned the most is downfield. I just don't know. I will say this, though. If Brock can't torch this defensive secondary, he can't torch anyone.
1: No, I mean, point. this is a, a game the Texans should win. I would, you know, if you, just, if you were just to look at this uh, by the facts and numbers alone, you would think, yeah, the Texans, that's a team uh, <laughs> that should come out on top in this one, mostly because of the, the quarterback matchup. 21 combined starts. We just don't know what we're going to get out out
0: of Cook. I mean, that's the other X factor. If he plays a solid game, Oakland could win this somewhat handily. But it is a rookie making his first playoff start, first start in a playoff game, which hadn't happened since before the Super Bowl started. It's a wild one, for sure. People
1: will look at Dallas and say he's got uh, Dak Prescott's a rookie. They're going in there with a guy who's only started 16 games. Between the two of these quarterbacks in this game, 21 career starts. And you know Dallas much better suited to to weather that storm, although that's hardly a, a problem. If Brock Osweiler was anything but a bum, the Texans <laughs> would totally have the advantage in right. this game. But I think he's the Achilles' heel, and uh, it's going to be a tight one. I don't think the Raiders are running away with this one, but they've shown all season that the breaks can go their way, and in the playoffs more than ever in in the, these types of games when you just. It, it seems like slop, those are the teams that prevail, the teams like the Raiders.
0: I'm going to regretfully, I think, go Houston in this game, although I can't say I have enough confidence to, to bet on either team and, and any points is too much in this game. I think the way connie has been playing, and we forget about that storyline, how he was almost written off.
1: Yeah, it's a quiet redemption story <laughs> yeah. uh, for a guy who was just absolutely beaten into the ground his first couple seasons in the league. Yeah, it's been great. I think uh, there was a fun clip last week uh, of him chasing down after uh, that pick six. Chasing down, and he was passing DBs run down the field to chase the guy. I'm trying to remember who picked that ball.
0: We forget how much of a freak he was as an, is as an athlete.
1: And, you know, I think uh, Clowney is one of the guys I would mention in this game. If you're concerned about the entertainment value of this game, I You know, would say one, it's playoff football, Mm -hmm. which uh, anything uh, can happen. As cliché as that sounds, and there's plenty of exciting players in this game. Still, we've already talked about Khalil Mack, and then on the other side, his uh, counterpart on the Texans defense, Javion Clowney. It doesn't matter that we don't have quarterbacks. It's still playoff football. There's still a lot on the line. If this was, uh, you know, a midseason game, that's one thing. In
0: Mexico City. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's a completely different. You know, the circumstance, it's apples and oranges to me. At playoff football, it doesn't matter.
0: It's good. So Clowney and Mack also, uh, same draft class, a lot of rivalry there, a lot to prove on that field. That,
1: that's another interesting angle if you want to look at it that way. i about uh,
0: angles on this show. Yeah. I'm just trying to find ways to watch it. And also, if Bill O'Brien might not be back, they don't win this game. That's the other rumblings gotta, out there.
1: Got to win, I think, in Texas. Uh, and if you're Brock Osweiler, man, you can wipe away a lot of, uh, you know, angst. In that Texans fan base, over uh, sixteen games in just one game, this is his best opportunity. you know, it's unfortunate that Tom Savage isn't going to be able to make this start. You know, because he seemed like he was maybe going to give him a different look, even though he kind of struggled when he got back out there. But DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sure, is very disappointed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when Tom Savage came into that game a couple weeks ago, I mean, it was like you know a different. Receiver after it really
0: was, it really was. Well, that's good though. We are on opposite ends of the spectrum here for the first game of the four. The second game on Saturday night in Seattle, the Seahawks taking on the Lions. Now uh, another interesting game because about a month ago, if we saw this game on the slate, we'd be like, "All right, this is going to be a phenomenal game." Two teams that look really well. Well, the Lions have lost three straight and bumbled their way into the playoffs. The Seahawks while they've again got the three seed. A lot of injuries. Looking at this game, Matt, the Seahawks are seven and a half point favorites over a touchdown. Are you liking Seattle in this one comfortably, or do you think Detroit could give them a game?
1: I like Seattle, but I don't like them comfortably. Really looking forward to this one. I think it's an interesting matchup. Two teams that are maybe stumbling a little bit into the playoffs, but Seattle has shown enough over the last four years that This is when they come to play, right? and I don't really worry that uh, they're missing some of their guys, uh, Earl Thomas specifically. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. There's no reason not to so far, despite the struggles the last couple weeks. But the reason I don't say comfortably is because Detroit, despite their struggles, this is going to be their best opportunity to go into Seattle and win that game. If you have to go to Seattle in the playoffs, this is the team you're going to want to face. If you exactly. had your choice, I could see him going in there and, and stealing one. You know what's
0: interesting, too? I do think Seattle's vulnerable, uh, and it's not just Earl Thomas. It's pro sites. It's Lockett. The
1: running game, yeah. I mean they've, The
0: line is in shambles. I mean, Russell Wilson has had a phenomenal year. I know he's not going to be mentioned in the MVP race, but the battling, battling through injuries, making the most out of what he has, especially with that running game. But... I just, I don't know. The Detroit team, without any momentum going in, their defense is pretty bad.
1: Defense is not good. <laughs> uh, and their defensive line doesn't bring a lot of pressure. No. Which I would give Seattle maybe the, the, the edge there because they just have more speed. And like you said, Russell Wilson, I mean, I think it, it plays to his advantage.
0: Right, you have to get to him in order to really have a chance It really Seattle. plays to his
1: advantage in this one. The other thing about Seattle... Despite not having Earl Thomas, you still have to go into Seattle. They've won nine straight home playoff games. The Lions have not won a playoff game, period, since 1991. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of go back to talking about Oakland and in, in Houston. One of the reasons I sort of liked Oakland in that one is just seems they, they, despite the devastating loss of Derek Carr, they've just had all of the, the, the breaks kind of go their way. And in crunch time, they've come out on top. Detroit, they've relied on crunch uh, time too much.
0: <laughs> They'd be, like, what, 6-10 and ten without all those wins? I mean, if, if they just split those games early.
1: Only two teams in the league have trailed in the fourth quarter, 15 of 16 games. One of them is the Lions, and the other is yep. the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, uh, Made it on the show. It's <laughs> you know, you can't rely. Uh, I think the last time I, I was here, we might have been talking about Detroit uh, and, and having to rely on... Uh, those yeah. fourth-quarter comebacks, going into Seattle in the playoffs is not a place.
0: Well, and to I just when think you, when you get a playoff game, it's one game, and it evens out on, on talent. You see it with like I, I want other sports like hockey or basketball, these teams that win close games, and even baseball, too. I think it can be, like you said, a little misleading. They're getting bounces. They're getting breaks that I don't think you can rely on in a hostile environment on the road. And the other thing, too, Matt, is that Stafford – as good as he's played, I'm still worried about the finger injury. I'm still worried what he's going to have to do. Running-wise, they're not getting much. I know Zenner has been solid. Don't but
1: sleep on... <laughs> this running. has nothing
0: to do with... do uh, sleep anything. on the best white running this back in the to league. has nothing to do with uh, to running him, running being a, him being a <laughs> white running back. But the stats are, are not very good for Detroit. I know they've gotten better, but I, just, I don't know that they can get enough pressure... I keep coming back to the D-line. You've got to be able to exploit how bad Seattle's line is to have a chance. I don't think they
1: can do that. Speaking of Matt Stafford, only a pair of 300-yard games in his last 13 starts. Mm. Uh, If you think about the hype over the first five or six weeks of the season, he was right up in the the thick of the frontrunners' early MVP talk. But the other thing, and this this, uh, number really jumped out at me, Stafford in his career, in his career, five in forty-five against teams that finish the season with a, a winning record. Yeah,
0: I remember. It, I don't. That's insane. I remember it being bad before. I don't. I didn't know it was that his Five in
1: forty-five.
0: Bad. I just also think you mentioned Earl Thomas with the Seahawks secondary not as dominant as it once was. Still pretty good, but doesn't have that beast over the top. I don't know who on Detroit that they would really fear in that secondary. I think it takes a, a big-time receiver. Marvin Jones, he kind of fell off. Golden Tate. I just. Marvin Jones, don't at see one it. point,
1: uh, through the first couple of weeks, was on pace for like 4,000 receiving yards. And he completely fell off the map.
0: This is a weekend, too, where I'm looking at the games and I feel like I could pick the winners right. Just the betting lines are right where they should be. And that has me worried about what side. But I'm with you. I like the Seahawks here. Not so, so sure about comfortably, but we'll have to see. Talking with Matt Zickis on the money Mitch effect. Let's go to the Sunday games now, which have a little more intrigue. The early game is Pittsburgh hosting Miami, an interesting Dolphins team that makes the playoffs. They get in Pittsburgh, is the three seed in this 3 6 matchup. And Pittsburgh, Matt, at home against a team they lost to earlier this year, 10 point favorites. The biggest line of the weekend, Pittsburgh by 10 at home. This could, and I'll just start with this, man. this could be a very unpredictable game because Pittsburgh has shown when they're on, they're on, their offense is clicking, they look almost unbeatable, but they have a pretty poor defense, have a tendency not to focus, and can lose to just about anybody as well. So I'm really excited and don't know what to think about this one either.
1: I take that week six game, I throw it away. I just think so much has changed uh, since then. The Dolphins, obviously, are a different team with Matt Moore, even though he's you know shown that he could at least you know man the ship. But the reason I look at this game differently is, for the first time ever, Lev Bell and Antonio Brown are going to play in the same game, the playoff game, together. It has not happened. Wow. So this is the first time Big Ben, AB, and Lev Bell are going to be out there at the same time. The Steelers are my favorite team to watch in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think they they have an extremely entertaining brand of uh, football. Uh, I love the characters on that team, and I just don't think Miami has
0: any chance, any chance in this game. So you're rolling. You love 10, 10 points, too. I'm
1: rolling on Pittsburgh. I think they run away with this one. I just uh, – this is one of the games, and I'll probably, you know – it's <laughs> going to go to overtime or something now (laughs) but between these four wildcard matchups this is the one to me where it seems like just an absolute no-brainer Pittsburgh I feel like this is one of this is a a year that where they're sort of primed for a playoff run the defense has sort of come together over the second half of the season they've relied on some rookies that have improved since that week six game that those guys that were just getting into the lineup didn't really know what their role was what they were doing it's just, you know, I look at it as a different team. Now, the one thing that sort of stands out, you go back to that Week 6 game, Jay 200 yards on the ground, it's not going to happen again. I just, you know, the Steelers are a team. Too many veteran players that have been in these really big matchups. Mike Tomlin, way too experienced in just Miami. Rookie head coach, missing their starting quarterback.
0: You know, you drive a a hard bargain there. I really agree with a lot of what you said, because Pittsburgh, as much as I hate to admit it, it's an exciting brand of football. The offense is as scary as anyone. The Dolphins, to me, are complete wild cards because they've shown that when they're playing well, they can play with anybody and give anybody a game. But it could be a Baltimore game where they just don't look good in the first half and get demolished. Which is why I'm a little weary of this game when you also factor in Pittsburgh's defense. They're not that good, and I know that I know that you can win championships with a mediocre defense, but they're going to have to prove that they can be mediocre in the playoffs. I mean, last week you had the Cleveland Browns team with nothing really to play for that was racking up some yards on them. I know the big three didn't play, but defensively, it was they a little can, surprising to see how get moved tight out,
1: that game was because there was still plenty of big names, big names on the Steelers defense that were out there. Ryan Shazier was out there a late in that mm-hmm. game, still running around. Oh yeah, trying to keep the Browns at uh, that number one spot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a fair point, but you know, to me, I don't, I wouldn't put them as much of an Achilles' heel as as maybe you might sort of rank them down there. I think they're good enough to support the offense. It's not uh, a weakness. It's more of just you know. Do you think
0: the weather too might factor into this one? And I say that with the sense that. If it, if it rains, it might actually hurt the hometown team. If it turns into a lower-scoring, grinded-out game, if Jay Ajayi can run the ball like he's been, I think Miami has a... Look, I know they're not a great team, and they're not anyone's pick to go to a Super Bowl, mine included, but they have a nice formula, especially when they have a, a, for a team with a backup quarterback. We're going to run the ball. We're not going to ask him to do too much. They have a pretty good defensive line. They, they paid them all that money. They better be good. But they might be able to get in Big Ben's grill, kind of rough him up a little bit. He's still banged up. I'm picking the Steelers in this game. But 10 points just seems really, really high for any playoff game.
1: I will not be surprised if Miami wins this game. I just don't think it's going to happen. This game, this week, Pittsburgh, they're just going to overmatch Miami. I mean, I feel like we see these types of matchups across all pro sports, uh, where you have sort of the, the greedy veteran team that's been there. That's, you know, been sort of chipping away the last couple of years. And, and now it seems like everything's coming together, at least on offense, mm-hmm. going up against the, the younger team. That's the first time in the playoffs in a long time. That's, uh, you know, sort of had to scratch and claw for every last win all season. I feel like every time we see these <laughs> matchups, it's, it's the, the yeah. underdog. This is just not their year. It was a great story that they were, you know, able to squeak their way in and and they've, you know, mitigated uh, Ryan Tannehill's injury as, as well as they have. That's been, you know, good for them. But this is Pittsburgh's uh, year, I think, to really challenge New England. Oh, wow. And, you know...
0: Showing I, your hand for that next round matchup, I am. too. Well, and I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I think they could be very, very tough out in the playoffs. But it's been a while since Pittsburgh's won a playoff game.
1: Ben Roethlisberger one in four over his last five playoff starts. Mm. Prior to that, won ten of his first twelve. So yeah, he struggled.
0: Last well, two wildcard rounds. I mean they win they win the wild card round last year in that barely. in that barely, barely game. You know, they lose to Baltimore the year before that. I wouldn't say they, they were a won the
1: wildcard so. game last year as much as the Bengals <laughs> lost it.
0: As Vontez perfect and Pac-Man Jones yeah. decided the outcome. I'm with you there. But it should be shaping up to be a good game. The AFC playoff picture is going to get very interesting once we get to that next weekend. But still talk with Matt Zickis on the Money Mitch Effect. The final game of the week, and I I cannot wait for this one. I think this is a consensus favorite game of the week. Giants and Packers at Lambeau. Two teams that have a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz saying that they could be the ones to make that run from wildcard round to Super Bowl champs. The Packers, at home, four and a half point favorites. Now this line's been all over the place. It was as high as like seven, eight, nine points. It's since come down, I think rightfully so. But Green Bay, at home, riding a six-game winning streak against a Giants team that's 11-5. And, and really, no, last week, didn't have anything to play for, still decided they want to eliminate the Redskins from the playoffs.
1: Those games are the it's just, most frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> even when you're not <laughs> a fan of one of those teams, when it's a team that has nothing to play for and a team that has everything to play for. And they can't
0: pull it off. Because I know your your story too, and <laughs> I hate to bring up bad memories. But I remember the two thousand and eleven playoffs, the last game of the two thousand and ten regular season, when the Bears were clinched up thing. and and they could have. They really didn't have anything to play for, except maybe we can eliminate our rival. Well, they didn't do that. It was and a it close game. Came back game to bite and, Yeah, the Packers win that year. But getting back to this game, Green Bay and the Giants, two teams that have definite strengths, Matt, but I don't want to rain on their parades, but I think they definitely have weaknesses, too, that we have to consider, too. Both these teams have some flaws that I think, I don't know if you but I think both can be exploited. I think this could be one of those high-scoring games.
1: I do agree that it is an extremely intriguing matchup and will be very entertaining. High-scoring? I don't know. Well, I'll say I if
0: it's low-scoring, I like the G-men. I do.
1: Oh, absolutely. You you have to. I just don't know if the Giants are going to be able to go, you know, throw for throw with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. High scoring sort of assumes that Eli Manning is getting the ball into the hands (laughs) of his receivers, and it's going to have to be more than just Odell Beckham. I have a hard time seeing the Packers lose this one. Wow. Not that it won't be a fantastic game, a tight game. I don't think they're running away with it by any means, but what Aaron Rodgers has done over the last six half six weeks, half of the season, it's vintage Aaron Rodgers. For the Giants to have to go into Lambeau and get this win, it's going to be tough.
0: It really is. And when I say high scoring, I'm looking at like 28-24-ish. I know that's relative for an NFL. We're not mm-hmm. a Big 12. <laughs> this isn't a Big 12 game here. Or that Rose Bowl, for example. But I do think that Eli Manning. This game is going to be on him, and he's had a pretty sort of X season. factor.
1: Like it's all going to hinge on. Well, it's just the
0: defense that the Packers have. Their secondary is very brutal right now, no. and it's banged up. It wasn't
1: good when everybody was healthy. But the Giants, for the course of the whole season, have not been able to have a consistent passing game. Odell Beckham, for his as great as he's been, he should have 500 more receiving yards. Everyone. Wants to just say, well, you know, it's the Giants in the playoffs. We've seen what they've done before. I mean, we, we can't go back to what the Giants have done in those previous runs. I don't – I think the, the
0: – Even you know, though they went to Lambeau twice. They did yeah. do that, yeah. And and yeah.
1: Here, speaking of that, interest, another interesting nugget. This is the eighth playoff meeting between the Giants and the Packers. In their previous seven playoff meetings, the winner of that game has gone on to win the whole thing. Wow. Only twice in the Super Bowl era, but still, it's an interesting... Uh, wow, that's insane. You see know, the Giants winning everything <laughs> if they win this game, or the Packers.
0: I Actually, game. you know, we were talking about this before, too. The winner of this game is going to be the media darling. Here they come. They're going to Dallas, or and where some of the Seahawks win. That could actually make Dallas feel like the underdog team, if you can believe it, going into that game, because the media will be like, well, Packers or Giants, they're yeah. coming hot. They're, you know, they're... The Giants will be going for the third straight win over the Cowboys, or the Packers will be riding a seven-game win streak.
1: For as great as Green Bay's offense has been, well, let's uh, for as great as Aaron Rodgers has been, let's uh, be more specific, can't discount the Giants' defense and how they've just been the guiding force of the Giants the whole season. Possibly the best defense in the league, at least in the conversation, if there's a team that's gotta go into Lambeau and give Aaron Rodgers fits, the Giants gotta be one of the the best suitors to go do that. You know, that's the that's to me that is the the key battle. It's gonna be that Packers offense against that Giants defense and whoever wins that battle. I mean it's you know, it's kinda of like the Packers D against the Giants O is such an afterthought in this one.
0: It really is, and that's, and that's too bad sounds. for Odell Beckham who he can be a monster in this uh, game, though.
1: He seemed extremely excited this week to you know, get his first uh, playoff uh, experience. He's going to have to steal the show for the Giants to come out on top if Aaron Rodgers is picks up where he left off in the regular season.
0: I also wonder what the Giants are going to do defensively, what their game plan is going to be. When you have, obviously, Janoris Jenkins, great cornerback, Landon Collins is a great safety. They've got a defense that's phenomenal. But the top two, you know, Rodgers threw 40 touchdowns. 26 of them were to two guys, Jordy and Devontae Adams. So who would be the key in that defense? I mean, do you just try to take Jordy away? Because if you do, I mean, Adams can gash you now. They are a legitimate monster one-two punch.
1: Well, I you know, I don't put that as much on who, uh, how do you take those one of those guys out. I look at it more as it's, it's Aaron Rodgers who's creating those opportunities for those guys to catch those balls. He is the one that is putting them in position to make those plays. For as great as those guys are, it's fantastic to see Jordy Nelson come back from injury back to the Jordy Nelson we all know and love. Aaron Rodgers extends plays like no other guy can. He can put the ball in places that many other quarterbacks, if not none of them, can put it. You have to start with Aaron Rodgers before you even think about how you're going to stop anybody else. I think if you can control Rodgers, keep him in the pocket, don't give him extra time, force him to throw earlier than he wants to, that's how you
0: slow yeah. down the receivers. It should be exciting. I'm leaning, and I'm going to go with the Giants in this one. i like them to win this game. I'm All due respect to Rodgers is probably going to make me eat my words, but I don't know how much you can trust Ty Montgomery to run, keep running for having big games and, We've seen this too many times. I'll take the defense that I can trust, that I can. Yeah, build I think that I think playoffs. you could
1: make an argument either way in this one. It's certainly the, the probably the, the toughest one of the the week to look at and, and try and figure out who's going to win this one. But again, I got to go with Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. Maybe I'm biased as sort of an NFC norther. Uh, I've seen yeah. too much Aaron Rodgers uh, over the you know past decade to count him out. And I said that the uh, Steelers were my favorite team to watch. Aaron Rodgers easily my favorite player to watch in the entire NFL. I feel extremely guilty saying that. I tell <laughs> friends and family all the time, "Don't hate me," because I like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. But I mean, there's just something about the guy, man.
0: Yeah, well, hey, you know what? We're looking at a great game. Rodgers is amazing. The Giants have a great D. It's gonna be a, a it's gonna be a fantastic a game. Great I'm looking forward
1: to it. I think it's a nice uh, way to round out the weekend. Uh, heading into Monday morning.
0: And do you think, yeah, everybody needs something <laughs> yeah. going into Monday. And do you think if the Giants fumble Rogers? Kind of a last question. You think then he kind of picks up the pieces and starts talking to his family again?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think Aaron Rodgers is an enigma who uh, walks to the beat of his own drum and answers to nobody. I think he'll be just fine okay, if he gets. Well, uh, Threats to, the,
0: threats to the Packers. We're looking at defenses. We've got to put Olivia Munn on that big board, too, to the Packers' title hopes. I
1: don't know. But. I, if the <laughs> Giants do go in there, though, and humble Aaron Rodgers and really, I don't want to say run away with this one, but put on sort of a convincing show, then I think the rest of the playoffs, you know, it's going to open eyes and be like, all right, you know, oh, this yeah. Giants team, they are going to be a, a threat here despite the struggles they've had on offense.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, before I let you go, Matt, I do want to get some quick thoughts on the NFL awards. You know, I don't want to just pigeonhole this to MVP. Everybody kind of just assumes that one. Right now, Coach of the Year. This is the hardest one for me to pick. Who's your choice at this moment?
1: I kind of bounced around a little bit on this one, but I'm going to go with Jason Garrett on this one. Jason Garrett, because, yes, he got some sort of once-in-a-lifetime performances out of some rookies, and... How much he had to do with their individual performances, I don't know. But I think the way he was able to sort of uh, really put a a damper on all the Tony Romo, Dak Mm -hmm. Prescott talk and just guide his team through. They never skipped a beat. They were the clear best team from pole to pole uh, over the course of the season, the most consistent the way he was able to sort of handle all this, I mean, to have that type of strife heading into the season, to lose Tony Romo right. in the week three of the preseason and to end the season 14 and 2, it's astonishing, really. I think you could make a case for a lot of guys, as we were talking about earlier. Another guy I sort of thought about was Dan Quinn.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, that's my choice actually. Yeah, that's, well, there you go. So I'll <laughs> let you, yeah. you
1: tell me why you like. I ben, just, ben, I mean, ben. I like
0: Quinn because we talk about navigating the ship, and and who saw the Falcons as a two seed? Who saw them even wing their own division? It, this word almost inherently disrespects guys like Belichick that always put out good teams. Andy Reid's another one that it should be on that list as well. The teams are just good, and he's turned that around that organization.
1: Yeah, Andy Reid. I think you're right with Belichick, you know, as a guy I didn't give a lot of consideration to, but as we sit here, I'm thinking, you know, well, to be without Tom Brady for four games with a little bit of a question mark at quarterback, especially when they had to go to Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, still you won know, a game with him. This, you know, and you can't look past that. I think it's easy to because it's the Patriots, but still, you know, it's a, it's it's a solid feat to be able to win those games. Didn't have a lot from Gronk either, then let's not forget. <laughs> right. Andy Reid, another great one. I mean, the Chiefs. I think the last couple of seasons, I just did not want to believe the Chiefs were a real threat. This year, I love the Chiefs. I think they're a serious threat after the Steelers. I like the Steelers more because of their offensive firepower in the AFC, but uh, the Chiefs, I think, are right up there. But the thing about Dan Quinn that I really liked was I look back to last year. The, the Falcons got off to that fast start and then just absolutely cratered. They were five and zero. After the first five weeks, and everything went south this year, it was sort of similar. They got off to Mm -hmm. a real quick start, and then they had looked like they were going to struggle a little bit, and it was just the complete opposite. It was like they had learned their lesson. Yeah. And uh, Dallas, you know, and again, this is uh, the Falcons, I feel like, like you said, they were nobody really thought they were the number two, you know, could be the number two seed, but at the same time, I feel like they were easily overlooked over the course of the season. You know, I mentioned Dallas was sort of pole to pole. Uh, the most consistent team, but offensively no team was more consistent than the Falcons, it was great to see them sort of just keep it together and just they didn't uh, stumble away the the season before. They just completely lost it when they hit that first little road. They had that
0: setback against the Seahawks. The PI doesn't go their way. They just played right through it and, and kept going. I do want to quickly note on the rookies of the year. Are we looking? Is it a lock that we're going to get the two old former Ohio State teammates, Elliott and Bosa? Uh-huh. Or do you think Dak could crash there? Is anybody on the defensive side of the ball? I just Those are the guys I would vote for. I don't know how Elliott's not going to win it as good as Dak's been. And Joey Bosa's been a beast. Like, he's been an absolute monster when he's played in a class that's kind of on the weaker side of defensive rookies that I can remember.
1: Uh, it is a little weaker, I think, on the defensive side. I would much prefer to see Dak Prescott win that award. I think he deserves it more than Zeke. I think what he was asked to do was significantly more difficult than well, what Zeke had. And I would ask
0: you, is this award, do you think it should be? And do you think it will be stats-based or like an MVP award? Who's the most valuable rookie? Because I think that answers the question. Quarterbacks are clearly more valuable and then the responsibilities they have are way more, way more valuable to their teams. But If we're just talking numbers, I don't know how Zeke wouldn't win it.
1: Well, I mean, here's how I think Zeke couldn't win it. For as great as Zeke has been, he did exactly what they expected him to do. I don't think it was a surprise. He was that elite running back that everyone thought he could and would be. Dak, two weeks before the season was starting, thought he was the third string you know, quarterback on that <laughs> yeah, team, yeah. nobody thought he was going to be anything. He was drafted in the fourth round, completely overlooked in the draft. The Rams and the you know, not so much the Eagles, but the Rams certainly have to be kicking themselves <laughs> right now. Yeah. Not so much that they would you know take Dak Prescott number one overall, but to see what Dallas was able to get in the fourth round mm-hmm. and what they've had to trudge through uh, over the last half of the season with Jared Goff, but Dak Prescott broke. Every rookie quarterback record on the book didn't make a lot of mistakes. It was consistent. Had a, you know, a few rough games here and there, but there are veterans in this league who couldn't right. perform the way he has. I think when you compare what both of those guys were asked to do and the roles they had to fulfill, Zeke, he's going to be one of the best, if not the best running back in this league for the next decade if he stays healthy. But Dak Prescott... That's asking a lot of a guy to, to quarterback and he did. as a rookie, and, he, and he, he didn't just do it. He did it well. This was not a game manager.
0: No, no, not at all. I think it's an interesting debate to have, but you know that kind of leads me to the next portion of it. I wonder with that Offensive Player Award, if Dak's possibly going to get well for that. I don't know how... Yeah, we could talk MVP here in a moment, but that's the hardest award to figure out. How do they determine it's a weird offensive player
1: every year? I, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had a better answer how to determine what is the difference between the most valuable player and typically the offensive player of the year. I mean,
0: could they give Zeke offensive player and Dak
1: rookie of the year? I think uh, if you bypass David Johnson. That's that's it would a be good a one. A he, travesty.
0: He should get offense. I'm with you there. The numbers are just ridiculous, and the team that needed it. I mean, without him, what are they? Five and uh, eleven? Yeah, probably
1: they're nothing. Uh, well, you know, and Larry Fitzgerald I also had just sure. a crazy resurgence. <laughs> uh, a bright spot on that offense. But David Johnson, I mean, did it week in week out. Dynamic player, pass catching, running, big guy, but. Fast as hell. Makes people miss. I mean, he does a lot with the big body, and he's asked to do a lot. And, again, he was there. He did it every week. I mean, I think it would be hard to bypass him for the offensive player of the year. Give the MVP to one of the quarterbacks. Give David Johnson offensive player of the year. Dak, I think, you know, is going to get lost in the shuffles. Yeah. He almost certainly will get offensive rookie of the year. It would be hard to overlook uh, David Johnson.
0: I'm with you. The guy just turned it out all purpose, did everything they needed to, and apparently is inhuman. He's like Wolverine out there. I thought he tore everything in his leg, and it's just a sprain on that last game. So I wish uh, him the best. I was glad to see that the next day.
1: It's always great to see uh, those FCS players uh, tearing up the league no, oh, well. yeah? not Northern, Northern Iowa. Yeah, I think sir. that was right in your neck of the woods. I was, uh, same conference uh, at Illinois State, got to see David Johnson uh, play a couple times before he got to uh, the league, and Carson Wentz as well. I mean, I've been out of ISU for a while. Carson Wentz beat Illinois State in the national championship game the year before uh, his last year, uh, entering the draft. I actually told him at the Combine, I was at the Combine on the field, and I saw Carson Wentz, and I said, you know, kind of broke my heart uh, (laughs) last year. But uh, I won't hold it against you, and he got a chuckle out of it. Good to see him doing well. Good to see David Jones doing doing well. Those FCS guys, Missouri Valley guys. There
0: you go. Well, and the last thing is that MVP race. It seems like it's a three-horse quarterback race. The Brady side of it is an interesting argument to have. A guy that statistically had a great year, only two interceptions, but still only played those 12 games. You have Rodgers. You have Matt Ryan. How do you see it going? I've been on record as saying... I would vote Aaron Rodgers as my MVP, and I know you might be biased one way, but how do you see this race going?
1: To me, this is the easiest one to call at any of these end-of-the-year awards, the most obvious one, and I don't understand the debate. I think it's clearly Matt Ryan. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, For as great as Aaron Rodgers was over the last couple, six weeks of the season, Matt Ryan was just as good, if not better. If you look at the numbers, I mean, they had virtually the same passer rating. Ryan threw a couple picks and didn't have quite as many touchdowns, but through similar amount of yards, he was toe-to-toe with Rodgers in that crazy stretch where everyone was, you know, talking about how Rodgers was, you know, guaranteed it again, telling everyone to relax and, you know, I feel telling them they were going to run the table.
0: I feel bad because, to me, Brady's a distant third based on just not having the, the extra four games to play. I wouldn't feel bad either way. Like I wouldn't have a problem with either man winning this award, but I, I'm probably going to feel bad if the media just goes Aaron Rodgers and Ryan kind of gets lost in the shuffle. I think it should be close. I like what Matt Ryan's done, especially when Julio Jones was out. But I just like Rodgers in this award. I think it's hard to quantify what he means to his team, how he can do it all. It's tough. I <laughs> I feel guilty saying it because Matt Ryan hasn't won before. But. I
1: mean, I don't think the Falcons would have that number one scoring offense no. without Matt Ryan. The stat that jumps out to me, it's not one that I think the common fans maybe look at, is the yards per attempt. Matt Ryan, highest yards per attempt in league history for QBs with 400 attempts. That's a, It's crazy when you think about it for as much as he throws the ball and for many points as they scored, he's thrown touchdowns to something like 14 different receivers. Nobody's ever, you know, it's not like he's relying on one guy. Like he's, uh, everyone thinks, oh, it's Julio Jones. You know, he's got Julio Jones out there. No, it's not that at all. He's throwing the ball all around the yard. Aaron Rodgers is going to get a lot of pub because the Packers were four and six and he said they were going to run the table (laughs) and they did. Good for them. That's great. And he looked great doing it, but Matt Ryan did it the whole season.
0: Yeah. Well, it's such a unique year because you have these two guys with resumes that are very similar. Some a little better. Each category might be better for one guy than the other. The records were almost identical 10 and 6 to 11 and 5. You have two quarterbacks that have had their ups and downs, and now you're going to go into the MVP. The MVP race is going to be between two quarterbacks, same position, same conference, who don't really have that many flaws this year. I'm excited to see how it goes. But, Matt, thanks for stopping by the show. This is fun. I'm I'm now I'm ready for Wild Card Weekend and beyond. I think it's going to be good.
1: Can I call an audible? Yeah, yeah, call an audible. I'm, I got to pull up the stats here. I just got them back up because I I think it's really going to surprise you here. Okay. During the run the table stretch, the run the table stretch. Yeah. After Aaron Rodgers said they were going to run the table, Aaron Rodgers 120 uh, 121.0 passer rating. That same stretch, Matt Ryan 120.8. Oh. 2 difference. completion percentage for Matt Ryan, 71 for Aaron Rodgers. 1,697 yards for Ryan, 1,667 for Rodgers, advantage Ryan. 9.0 yards per attempt, Ryan, 8.3 Rodgers, advantage Ryan. So he's got him now in four out of four categories. 14 (laughs) touchdowns to Rodgers, 15. So Rodgers has got him there. Two picks for Ryan to Rodgers, zero. This is just that run, right? This is just the run. So the last... uh, what, so six, six weeks it was the right season. there. Wow. So, and no, you're, you're, and then in the first fire. 11 weeks of the season, I mean, it's not even close.
0: So, wow. I mean, this is, no, it's, I'm still, I'm still going to stay with Ryan or with Rodgers, but it is, it is close for me. Now, you're going to be at the NFL awards, right?
1: I will be out there, Are yes. You gonna,
0: is it, if Rodgers wins, it's going to be like a rage against the machine moment where you just walk up on stage and just climb something or,
1: Roger's going to be too busy thinking about uh, <laughs> starting the in the mic, Super Bowl or... the next day. Oh, oh. No, <laughs> no, It could be, could be Ryan. <laughs> it could be Ryan. It could be. I have no idea.
0: No, just don't take the microphone. if you know.
1: <laughs> I won't run out there. No, I won't. Uh, no fanboy moments.
0: No, but all right, Matt. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch. Back really appreciate it. We'll have to do this again. And, Absolutely. Uh, thanks uh, for having me. It's and a little I know you're going to be in Houston. so.
1: I will be out there. Yeah. I'll give you a field report. <laughs> all
0: right. Thanks again, Matt. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks, Mitch.
0: Always a pleasure talking to Matt Zickis. He's a very sharp football mind. And for his sake, I hope Matt Ryan wins the award. I don't know if he's going to handle another Rodgers MVP. But in all seriousness, thanks to Matt for coming on the show and previewing these NFL wildcard weekend games. Now it's time to switch it up, talk to Brenna Haven. Brenna also works at NFL Network, and she is a big college basketball fan. We're going to get into all the storylines this year. The Grayson Allen drama, her Kentucky Wildcats, top freshman in the country as well as some other topics as well. Brenna Haven on The Money Mitch Effect. Here it is. All right, welcome back to The Money Mitch Effect and joining us again, second time on the show, Brenna Haven. Brenna, thanks for rejoining the show. It's official now, you're a recurring guest.
2: Thank you for having me. I am, yeah, it's official.
0: I know, and what's interesting about it is for being kind of like a jack of all trades, college basketball has always been your passion. So I brought you on the show for that reason tonight as my resident expert, yeah. as, as serious as I am <laughs> saying that. As my... It's
2: concerning that I'm your college basketball expert,
0: but it's fine. Well, yeah, you know, and uh, before I get to that, though, there's some good and some bad. I guess the bad is I do feel bad about your Redskins. It's okay. The only... <laughs> The only real team that choked last week that had something to play for and couldn't get it done. But, you know, it it was a weird season, Mm 8-7-1. I know there's a lot of disappointment in the DMV, but it was an interesting one. It kept you entertained.
2: It did. Um, Yeah, it was hard. I didn't watch, actually, the last quarter and a half of the game just because I was on my way to the Flyers-Ducks game. But I did get the text message that Jordan Reed scored.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We tied it up. And, of course, our defense lets us down yet again. And, but today we fired Joe Barry. So who knows it, it, what's going to happen? I mean, that's
0: an interesting move. I mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily opposed to it. But you look at it from the perspective that they only gave up 13 points that game. Mm-hmm. It was the Cousins interception. Like, how do you pay that guy? That's going to be an interesting contract. you got to pay him. You do, but...
2: you got to pay him. I'm not going to pay him $22 million a year for <laughs> a franchise. That's not going to happen. I bet he
0: gets close to that, though, in a, in a contract. That, that's the scary thing about quarterback money True. in the NFL right now. All things considered, it was an interesting season. That some of those wins against some bad teams were a lot closer than you would have liked. But I think the Giants just were off for blood. I think they just felt yeah. like you guys and wanted to eliminate you because they had nothing to play for.
2: Absolutely. I think so, too. And I think they were like, we don't want another NFC East team in the playoffs, so might as well. Knock them out while well,
0: we can. I mean, that's better than a tie, though. It? <laughs> it would have been a Lions-Packers there tie it were... kept you out. Oh, my
2: God. No, but, no, of all no the scenarios. it was, it's, yeah, it's going to be a long off season. There's going to be a lot of, we might lose a couple of good players that we need. And um, it should be interesting. I don't know what's going to happen.
0: Well, I wanted to get to the consolation part of it being that the Capitals yes. knocked off the Blue Jackets tonight. Yes, ended they the did. 5 I know. And, and I know it hurts a little for me as a Blue Jackets fan. It was an unbelievable streak and, and second all time. I mean, you can't, you can hardly ever top what they did. But the Capitals, I think people forget why I circled this game as a potential loss for the Blue Jackets. They're only a couple games out. Mm-hmm. They're, they're right there. And that Metropolitan Division is going to be a dogfight to the end of the season. There's four, now five good teams in that division. It's going to be something to see.
2: Absolutely. When they want to turn it on, they can. I mean, obviously, 5 nothing. those guys can play if they want to. Play and I didn't follow the game obviously because we don't have it out here. But there were five different players that scored and the place was rocking. DC was rocking tonight.
0: Yeah, they got too early and the big thing was in the sixteen game win streak. Babrowski, the Comas goal. we had a lot more than three goals. So the Capitals put five on them tonight. Mm-hmm. That just shows you what the kind of firepower they have, and maybe it is the Capitals' year. Brought them down to know. earth a little
2: bit, the Columbus Blue Jackets. I, them I, down. See, I
0: think it's great for you guys, for the Washington-Capital mm-hmm. dynamic, that you're not that you're having to fight for it, that you go into the playoffs as a low seed. Because yes. we've seen it the other way too many times. with yes. the top seed. Yes. And they and just can't get it done. No,
2: they just can't get it done. I like not technically flying under the radar, but I like the idea of just being low-key.
0: I think we're in agreement, too. Just not Pittsburgh, right? No. I mean, anybody with no. them, like not I'd be.
2: Sydney Crosby again. I could no. sign off
0: on anybody making it out of the Metropolitan Division to the Conference Finals except them. So, no. come on, we we, <laughs> we don't ask for much. We no, just,
2: just not, not Pittsburgh. No, no. not no. those guys again. No. all right,
0: let's get to college basketball. And normally, I like to start with uh, the teams that my guests root for. But there was one story. There's one dynamic that's trumped that. And that's another thing I think we can agree on, not really rooting for Duke. I
2: hate Duke,
0: yes. So, Grayson Allen. I mean, this is like an interesting guy. This is something that we've, I think college basketball's kind of needed, but it's remarkable how he's gone from unknown to freshman sensation a couple Mm -hmm. years ago to now just arguably, not even arguably, the most hated player in college basketball. Absolutely. The tripping incidents, just his general behavior, how he kind of acts on the court. Do you consider him, I know you're not a fan of Duke or Alan as a player, but do you consider him a dirty player or just a reckless player?
2: I think that he's immature. I think that he it, he's the quote-unquote Christian Leitner of our time right like now. He's, he's Christian Leitner, right? he's JJ Redick, <laughs> this token white kid on Duke who everyone hates. He's his ego, he's self-centered, he is... Compass, he feels like he deserves everything. Should have been more than one game, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, the the indefinite suspension. Yeah, was quote unquote game.
2: indefinite.
0: I don't have a problem with it being one game. I just think Duke, again, the critical nature of I think how we both look at them is they're this high and mighty team. They're self righteous. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna handle it. It's indefinite. They should have just said one game. Mm-hmm. It would have been a lot easier to deal with. And I think he is immature. I think it's hard for me to brand a player dirty when it's the same infraction being repeated. I think he's just kind of reckless, and I don't think he... It's almost an impulse thing, where he just thinks that 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 works. Part of the other side, too, it's funny, because to be hated like this, you have to have some game. And he can really play. I mean, he is a leader on their team, and I think they're going to go as he goes. So for fans of other teams like ourselves, Mm -hmm. I think it's great what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Duke's probably not going to have much success if he keeps flipping out and having a meltdown.
2: Well, they lost that game that he didn't play. So, yeah. I mean, not that I'm saying that that goes hand in hand, but he is a major part of their offense, a major part of their team. Yeah. And with Coach K now being out, now having back surgery and all that stuff, it's going to be interesting if he decides to step up and be a solid person and player on
0: the court. Yeah. It seems like Coach K also has this philosophy where he's like, all right, we need someone else to be hated. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be the Plumleys because I've coached that oh, all yeah. entire family <laughs> for the last 25 years. But it it's interesting, too, because I do think he, he's a difference maker, and they go as he goes. He provides a lot of athleticism and a yes. lot of wing scoring. Without that, I don't know what they're capable of. It, it also seems, too, Brenna, that this is shaping up to be a uh, disappointing Duke season in the sense that now you have Coach K getting back surgery, mm-hmm. the assistants are going to take over, mm-hmm. and Coach K is getting up there. I just don't know... If he's fully in it, at least for this season, yeah. Even with all those freshmen that they have, on, freshmen that they have on their team, and, and Allen coming back, I just don't know if this is going to be their year based on how things are shaping up.
2: I mean, it's it's still early. Conference play just started. You still got UNC and the ACC. Once tournament play happens, mm. you don't know where he's going to be. You don't know if he's going to be coming back after a month and be good to go. You don't know if he's going to have ish, more issues, and then you don't also don't know how Grayson's going to act. I mean, he's a junior now. You gotta, you gotta be, you yeah. gotta be a leader. You gotta yeah, it's be. It's crazy. It's crazy how fast it goes too. Now he's
0: already a junior. Mm-hmm. When we just felt like we just met him at the in the Final Four, mm-hmm. but here he is, and I, I'm I'm with you there too. I think it's going to be how their leaders perform, how they can carry the burden.
2: Absolutely. He can't
0: come back and just be another guy and he's back into the lineup. They need him, especially with their head coach not there. So.
2: He started this last <laughs> game. Like it was like, oh, okay, one game suspension, and you're, ah, back. And you're back, and you're starting.
0: It's just, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, I'm not advocating a longer suspension for a tripping for a tripping violation, considering that if you punch someone, it's the same amount as True. one game. But it, it was just a bizarre way that they dealt with that set of circumstances. You're reasons.
2: right. They should have just said one game suspension.
0: So still so talking with Brenna Haven on the Money Mitch effect, and we're going to switch to your Kentucky Wildcats. It's been an interesting season, but, but before we get to that, I, I had something I forgot to ask you last time. Do you have a power ranking of the least favorite opponents that kentucky plays and i do Duke probably wouldn't fit the mold because they don't play them every mm. year but every time they play sec play or, or in-state rivals as a spoiler there are there are top three four teams that you just can't stand that if they if they lose to anyone it better not be these schools
2: i would probably say of course i'd probably say louisville i'd probably <laughs> say florida yeah. And, I mean, I don't it's know. It's probably just
0: the – I mean, those two you maybe, would say yeah. have a big gap between everybody else.
2: Maybe AM, but we just beat them by <laughs> a lot. I don't – A&M is
0: weird because they maybe honestly, South Carolina. They, I, don't, I don't know. A&M hates Kentucky. Yeah. They haven't had the success. They've actually played them pretty tough even when they haven't had a good team. Mm-hmm. They obviously hate Kentucky. I figured you would say Louisville, we'll Florida, a 1-2 in right. that order, which by this year a little painful. But – Look, Louisville is sitting there. It isn't ranked as high. They've gone on uh, a little bit of a skid, but you guys are sitting sixth in both polls, the coaches and the AP. Mm-hmm. Top 25. Only two losses on the season. Mm-hmm. Is this better or worse than you thought you'd be sitting here in 2017?
2: I think this is, this is exactly where we thought. We didn't want to go undefeated. I, mm-hmm. I did not want them to go undefeated. That burden At again. all. No. We needed the loss. The um, Louisville loss hurt. It was rough, but it was, again... We have six players that are freshmen, yeah. and four four starters and a sophomore are twenty five.
0: Aren't you used, used to that though? Too? Right. Can so I mean, it's
2: still playing in Louisville was difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. It's hard. And They are right there, and, and I think part of it is on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. They're still, as to be expected with the young team, still figuring it out. Louisville's right. an experienced team. Obviously, Patino is a good coach, and they were able to exploit some exploit some mismatches there. But the game of the year so far was the game you guys won against North Carolina, mm-hmm. and that was phenomenal. And it brings me to my second point of, I, I, every year I look at the freshmen, we look at all these guys, and we're like, oh, well, these are the guys are are supposed to be good. This year's class was very deep. Probably not, definitely not top five. I think barely top ten was this guy in Kentucky by the name of Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. And no one has had more of a meteoric rise than him this season. Would you agree with that, and how would you assess how he's played just as his freshman who's now the big shot maker?
2: He broke out of his shell in that UNC game. That was his coming-out party. I'd say 45 so. 45 <laughs> points? I mean, there, no one could do it better. No freshman at Kentucky has done it better. He's That's the highest-scoring game by a freshman in Kentucky history. I mean, he shot the ball like he's never shot before, and he's determined himself to be the guy on this Kentucky offense. And with De'Aaron Fox passing the ball and bam down low. I mean I'll take it.
0: Well Fox is I and mean, I believe he's the he's a great defensive player yeah. as well. That's something that I thought was great about this recruiting class is we know that Monk is the guy now. I mean mm-hmm. we did we didn't know it before. <laughs> he's he's replacing Jamal player. Murray. But he's the guy that's taking the big shots, but mm-hmm. it's built to as a team. I think in beforehand you'd have Cal Par recruiting just the best players. Just here we go. And sometimes it's worked. Mm-hmm. Other times it hasn't. They haven't gelled together. Now you have uh, a rotation, a, an actual lineup that you can mm-hmm. play together. And the thing about Monk that also, I mean, he's obviously fearless out there, but what's the one Achilles heel been for Kentucky in the years they haven't won the title in the Calipari era is outside shooting. Yeah. So suddenly you're like, okay, Monk has outside shooting, and not in the sense that the Harrison twins had it, where right. it was kind of slower. Not to really knock them, but Monk's got quickness. He can get his shot off with more ease. This is a buy, I wouldn't say buy low team, but a buy medium team. Because I think if there are two three seed going into the tournament, you got to feel pretty good about their yeah, chances. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, and when Monk is off, he's off. He didn't play great against Louisville. And we saw it in the score. Mm-hmm. He only had, what, over like 15 points or whatever it was. But... I mean, the 2-3 seed, you're right. We don't have to be number one seed. That's fine. Yeah. Let these guys ease their way into it, and and we'll take it from there. I think
0: the matchups, I mean, obviously you can't really forecast how a team's going to play down the stretch into no. a tournament with matchups that you don't really know. But I think there's some potential here, maybe more so than in the past with this Kentucky team. And, you know, I look at, like, Louisville, and I look at some of these other teams, experienced teams, they fear a team like Kentucky. Because you get into a game with a Louisville Villanova or at a Kansas in there, you kind of understand what they're trying to do, even if it's good, even if it's someone unstoppable. You just don't know what Kentucky's capable of. And that was never more on display than 2014 when they were an eighth seed Mm -hmm. finally hit their peak and and made that run. So I would be very wary of this team if you're coaching against them.
2: Well, we do play Kansas in a couple weeks, I think, or end of the month. And um, I think it's in Lexington this year. So that's going to be... An interesting game because last year we obviously played in Kansas and lost, but this this year should be very interesting with it with this freshman class.
0: Oh yeah, I'm excited. They got some good freshmen over there. Absolutely. Too. I do want to talk about that now with Brenna Haven on the Money Mitch Effect. This I think has been the deepest year that I can remember from freshmen. There's always studs that come out, and we don't know how they're going to do at the next level. But if you look at any mock draft right now, the top ten picks at the very minimum eight. Nine in about every, every one are freshmen. Mm-hmm. I can't remember a time that, it's, that that has been that way, and I can't remember it being so spread out. They're not all Kentucky guys. They're not a lot of teammates on that list. Do you think this is good for the game? Do you think the fact that so many freshmen are coming in and dominating is actually a good thing? I don't
2: know. I mean, not to plug Showtime, but I watched the Ben Simmons one-and-done thing, and it was very interesting because – the whole one and done situation is weird because you like the fact that guys come back and they build, mm-hmm. they build the team, and they become We're seniors. and They have their, their senior night yeah. and whatever. And but then these guys are also just using this as a stepping stone to get to the NBA. They know they you want to play think in the they're NBA. Going in
0: class? <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're not going to class, no. <laughs> believe me. But um, no, but it's hard for the game. But these guys are incredible.
0: It's fun to watch. I almost think, you know, if we still had the high school rule, which mm-hmm. I think we should. I mean, as as incredible as it is to see some of these players, I don't know how we're not allowed to tell. We're allowed to tell eighteen year old kids, men now, that they can't go to the NBA. I would be in favor as as I've grown to this position. I'd be in favor of a two year minimum if you sign your yes, intent. I agree. Because I think that gap between one and two is where you get a lot of your work in, and I think that'd be beneficial. I'm not. I don't think we're asking for these players to stay for four years. I no, I agree. I think the
2: two-year thing is a great idea. I think that then being sophomore, cool, fine. You played two years. You think that you got the most out of your coach, whatever mm-hmm. that may be, and you decide you want to move on. Or that might change your mind. You say, oh, okay, I want to stay a third year.
0: And I think, too, I think we're overreaching in how many of these kids we think would just go to the NBA. I think there would be a lot more than we think. That would go to college. It would take the two-year experience to develop. Even some of the freshmen now. I mean, I don't think, I go back to Monk, I don't know that he goes pro before. I think he's definitely going this year, obviously. But out of high school, with a deep class, maybe he thinks, I need to work on my game. I need to go to college and see.
2: It's also about your family. Like, does your family Neither want money. you to go? <laughs> or does your family want your education? That's a, a whole other thing about the high
0: school thing, too, is that there was way more bus than there were Kobe's, Garnett's, LeBron's. There was way more that didn't work out. So I think as we get older with that, I think, you know, ultimately, I don't, I'm not piling on a guy like Calipari, because everybody's doing it now. You know, Duke and (laughs) mighty Duke was so against it, Mm -hmm. and then now here come their freshman, probably one of the best one-two punches in freshman in the country. So I just think coaches are going to adapt to whatever the playing field is. But, you know, I think it might be better for the game on a long-term standpoint, the athleticism is great. But some of these games are actually pretty sloppy. I would like to see more fundamentals, more queen, oh, ben, yeah. more team basketball.
2: I don't know how much the coaches actually do like it. I think they do, obviously, because they have to. And they have to keep up with the team. Like, if you coach at Duke, you have to keep up with Kentucky mm-hmm. and and UNC and Michigan State and whoever else you want it's to Is it like
0: a wormhole, too, where so you recruit a freshman... Now you know that weakness is there. He's gone. We need another one. And suddenly you're just reshuffling guys. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean... I don't, see, point, I don't know. I don't
0: know if Cal Parry is telling guys, look, one year is fine, or, or if he knows well in advance, or if he's caught off guard. It's probably a little of both, but...
2: He's always said in interviews that his job is to get guys to the, to the next level. His job is to get them to where they want to be, whether that be four years in school and then go to the NBA, like Poitras, or whether that be one and done. Mm-hmm. It, that he's always said that's his goal. He doesn't care about championships, but he does. But like,
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's fully said he doesn't care about championships. No. Big Blue Nation might not like that. Yes. quote. but <laughs> it's funny because you never know how good these players are going to be at the next level. Even the most highly recruited don't pan out, and some of the lower level ones do. It's funny that probably one of his top three or four wildcat Wildcats in the NBA is going to be Devin Booker, mm-hmm. who was what, 6th or 7th on that team? Mm-hmm. So yep. you should think a little bit. That's a, yep. all I'm saying there. But getting back to the freshmen in college, this is a deep class. And other than other than Monk, other than some of the other guys we've named, who's really caught your eyes? Has there been one player outside of the Kentucky landscape oh. that you'd think, wow, I'm not really sure? Because I'll tell you who mine is right now, and it's that point guard at Washington, Fultz. Who right okay. now is getting is getting a buzz from he's a Maryland kid too. He's yeah. from the Maryland area. And really, I didn't know who he was, I knew the name. And he's gone, no one has gone higher on the draft boards, with the exception of maybe Malik Monk, than him. He's getting maybe consensus number one pick. And I didn't realize what it was. You watch him play and it's athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's a guy that dunks like a wing player, that still runs the offense. He's been the one that's inspiring me, especially given that it's a point guard league at the next level. Washington has one of the best ones I've seen in a long time.
2: So I'm going to stay in the Pac-12 as well, and I'm going to go to our town, Mm -hmm. Los Angeles, and go to Lorenzo Ball, because when they played Kentucky, he killed it. He was unreal. Yeah. And he is fun to watch.
0: So it paid me not to go ball there, and I'm a fan too. I'm all on board. I think he's probably my favorite player in college this Mm -hmm. year. Because of the way he plays, mm-hmm. and it's it's pass first, best passing freshman by far of all these kids. Mm-hmm. He's got that athleticism. The shot is unconventional. I'll say it's not the cleanest motion. Yeah, but he's another guy with that fearlessness in him. I mean, that Kentucky game. We saw him, we'd seen him play earlier in the week in a uh, in a lower level game, and he wasn't looking to shoot. We're thinking, okay, pass first. This is kind of who he is. Nothing wrong with that. Kentucky, he was out there just shooting daggers and burying them.
2: He knew that all eyes were on. That game, and he was gonna put on a show, and that's what he did.
0: And I think you know, you look at what what the next level could bring out of kids like this. This could be where we're going. I think college basketball could see a lot of point guards his height. Mm-hmm. Could see a lot of very athletic, because he gets up there too. I mean, he's a dunker as well. You know, I think this could be where the college game goes. Well, I
2: wonder if he is gonna say because I think his brother committed to UCLA for next year. From it, the rumor that yeah, I'm, that I I'm will,
0: hearing, they got a, a family of balls coming exactly. out. Exactly, so. <laughs> so. So I don't know exactly what's going to
2: happen with him. I don't know the age. Him.
0: I think he's gone though. I think he goes, but I think they go. The one thing I worry about, and I'll say this: I saw the Bleacher Report story on the ball family, and it's the big—they're working out on Christmas Day. Just please don't turn them into a super dad scenario, oh my God. where it's one of those like obsessive child, and not like a Friday night types thing. But you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. like it. It seems like there could be elements of Tiger Woods' dad in there where I just – let's just – these kids are good. Work them hard, but don't overwork them. I want to see a burnout.
2: Right. And I like the fact that he – I don't know where he was looking to go other than UCLA, but I think UCLA was a great fit for him, and I think that he's really coming to his own as a player there.
0: Yeah, and that team's good. I mean, it's not just the Lonzo Ball show. Alfred is the coach's son, Mm -hmm. but you need a veteran like that to run the offense – and then Leaf, I think it's T.J. Leaf, the big guy there. I yeah, think yeah, he's yeah. only a freshman or sophomore too, and, and he gives them an inside-out game. I really do like what Steve Alford has done there. He's recruiting well. He's building a team of players. The Pac-12 has always been kind of a mystery conference. There hasn't been the traditional power of the Kentucky or the Wisconsin, Michigan State, or what, what have you, Duke, North Carolina. But this could be shaping up to be UCLA's conference for a couple of years. It
2: could be. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I want to go see a game this year for sure. Um, but I mean, like you said, the Washington kid. It could be two of them coming down the two of them and Pac-12 tournament. You know, yeah, right well, that'd be
0: that'd be very fun to see. The other freshman, two other freshmen, I want to mention quickly. We talked about Kansas, Josh Jackson is as I thought You're gonna have your hands full against that oh, guy. Oh yeah. He's he does it all. I mean, he might be the most gifted, which is saying something. Giving this class, the other guy is Duke's Jason Tatum. And I gotta give I gotta give a quick shout out to my uh, St. Louis friends for putting me on to him at an early age. But same high school as Bradley Beal, DC okay. guy, and David Lee. So they've been pumping okay. out NBA players from the St. High School Chaminade in St. Louis. And with him, he was a Gatorade player of the year last year. But unlike all these other guys, he's going to a team that he is pretty much the third or fourth option. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's gonna mean for his development as a player or even Duke's success if he's gonna get frustrated. But I know if he gets it going and if he clicks and fits into that system, then as much as I wanted to write Duke off, if he's their third or fourth option, it's a nightmare.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And come March, that's gonna be that would be a problem.
0: Oh yeah, and I really like him too because the mid range game. He's not falling into this three point heavy. You know, he's like that DeMar DeRozan type where he's gonna shoot from the mid range. Mm-hmm. So it's a throwback to see. But having said that, while we kind of wrap up the college basketball side of this, the rankings don't really reflect. Freshman being at the top of yeah. the list. Top three teams right now. Bill and Ova, still number one. Although they, they did lost. get upset, so we'll have to see. They just
2: lost the Baylor.
0: Baylor, Kansas. Then you get got UCLA, but Gonzaga is fifth. So there's your top five and with Kentucky sixth.
2: Baylor is good. Baylor yeah. is real good.
0: I do. I, I want to preface this with I know nothing about how they're getting it done.
2: I'm but <laughs> I have
0: heard that it might not be in the most honorary, uh, <laughs> noble well, way. Well, okay. So, we'll I, I don't want to just start flinging out allegations here, but I've heard rumblings that it's not the best way that well, they're doing it. But, but hey, you got to give them credit. Uh, last year, they lose losing the tournament early. Mm-hmm. Bad taste in their mouth, but they're a veteran team. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird to have to take Villanova seriously now? Because they're always that team that just chokes in, the, in March Madness, and they win the tournament last year, and you got to be like, all right, well, they're a legit team.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, Jay Wright's a great coach. He knows how to coach him, and they're not playing the quote-unquote best teams in the country, I guess. But, I mean, Butler's good, Yeah, clearly. but
0: Butler, I mean, why are you rushing the court? Come on. They're the number 18 team in the country. I feel like you've been there before. That's, I, yeah, It's it, it is worse than that, by the way, when you get conference matchups. Oh, yeah. When it happens when both teams are ranked. Oh, yeah. Philadelphia was tough, they didn't lose a, a whole lot of talent. They still have a great senior class. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see though with Gonzaga. Is this a one seed? I I, I guess it's kind of going on the radio. They're undefeated, but it's hard to sell in the West Coast conference who do they really play. Exactly.
2: Who do they play? And I mean, I think, were they a one seed last year? I can't remember, but. No, it's
0: been about three, four years since they've been a one seed. Okay. And that year they lost to Wichita yeah, State. Yeah, so it's seed, so.
2: just, it's totally up in the air. I don't know how much you can trust their record. They don't play these big teams in the middle of the year. I think that if they want to be legit contenders, they should start to play these teams in the middle of the year.
0: Yeah.
2: And have those random games with the, if they want to play UCLA or they want to play Arizona, like have those random games in the middle of the year to kind of test the waters.
0: Yeah, that's one thing about Kentucky and about Michigan State and other teams who's struggling, is that they will play mm-hmm. other teams and they will get battle tested. But it's funny because you look at the, the rankings, you see a lot of ACC teams, I am surprised there, how that gets you know muddled and how that gets taken care of. Creighton is a top 10 team now, 13-1, who knew? And you also have St. Mary's in the rankings as well. So I, I don't know. I I'm, it, It's still early. we got to shake all this out. As a Big Ten guy, though, I'm, I'm interested to see who takes control of that conference because we all thought it would be Michigan State, but they're mm-hmm. struggling.
2: Might be IU. It Wisconsin might be again. Wisconsin again. <laughs> well, IU
0: lost to Fort Wayne earlier in the year. Like, <laughs> hey,
2: it could uh, be Maryland.
0: Yeah, it could be there. <laughs> there you go, your other your other team there. Could um, be
2: Maryland. I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of this Maryland team this year, but
0: they don't really seem to. I don't. How do I put this? They don't really have an identity that I no. can point to. And be like, this is what they're good at.
2: And I think it was a good decision for Mello to come back, but he's kind of lost in the woods at this point right now, trying to figure out the identity of the team. They just lost to Nebraska. Couple like a game or two ago, and they play again on Saturday. But yeah, I don't. They have the same record as Kentucky, two losses, and
0: right. who no, Who knows? Yeah, that's that's part of the gamble. Although last year they had more talent, but you felt like they had leaders that were able to push them in the right direction. We'll see if it's the same this year. And I want to wrap this up with, I guess, one final question. Right now, I know it's early and it's hard to tell by rankings. Who do you think, honestly, is the best team in the country? At this point, not to say that that's going to be the team that wins the tournament and cuts down the Nets, but right now, if you had to pick one team, oh, I
2: don't know.
0: you could say Kentucky. I mean, it's I do, I,
2: I, I do like them. I don't think that they're tournament ready yet, obviously, but um, they could make a deep run. Um, I don't know. It's a hard question. I'd say
0: right now. And I'm not going to say Duke just yet. I don't think they figured it out. I'll go Kansas right now.
2: I, that's, I, I was going to say Kansas. At this time of the year,
0: they're really hard to beat. You get into conference play. You get into them on their home court. Oh, that kid took about 20 steps on oh. <laughs> the winner against I, Kansas State.
2: I texted um, one of our friends about it, and I was like, he definitely traveled. And,
0: this is and day he's day. like, no, he didn't. It was legit. I was like, he traveled. Well, yeah, whoever you text, I'm not going to ask you on it, but <laughs> they were probably an NBA fan. we were just used to it. That, in college, you call that. like it's Absolutely. There might job. have been a little contact before, but that would have been continuation. <laughs> he just galloped.
2: He totally traveled. He galloped his was, way to
0: the hoop. I, I was, if
2: I was a Kansas State fan, I would be so mad.
0: It almost looked like the big guys on Kansas State just stopped because they couldn't believe all these steps.
2: Right, like, exactly. Right. Um, but I would say also uh UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's doing pretty well. I, w- I would always trust Roy Williams as a Absolutely. coach. They did have a scare with Clemson, winning in overtime by like two points. But I would trust him come March to kind of get that team going.
0: Yeah, he's another guy that you can't really count out. And it's, it's funny, too. We look at these rankings as one of the coaches. Mitchell Villanova, mm-hmm. with Jay Wright, Bettino, mm-hmm. Cal, Parry why you can never count out Izzo at Michigan State. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to the big moments. You just trust the guys that have done it before.
2: Which is so interesting compared to, like, college football, I feel like, because these coaches (laughs) stay for a while, unlike some college football coaches, except for, like,
0: the big guys. Yeah, well, it's funny, yeah. St. Nick, is that what you're referring to? How many college football coaches actually have national titles? That's Mm -hmm. the other thing. There's not that many active ones that have it. But that was good. Brenna, thanks for coming on the show, and, Lastly, though, I know you're excited for Monday. Or is yeah. it going to be a repeat, rematch, or a new story?
2: No. Two-time chance. Let's go. Roll time. Five uh,
0: titles for Saban at, Al- at Alabama, right? Would that be his fifth? Yes. Yeah. Jesus.
2: <laughs> yes. Now uh, that would be his
0: fifth at Alabama. Fifth at Alabama,
2: it, right? and he didn't. Yes. Wow. Yeah.
0: I, honestly, I do want Clemson to win, but I'm. Um,
2: it's going to be, a great it's gonna be game. tough to
0: pick against Alabama. I wish it would have been Ohio State in there, but they just forgot they had to play the Fiesta Ball yeah. to get to the final right. game, so I think that's part of the reason. That <laughs> I'm happened.
2: just repicturing that Bo Scarborough 68 yeah, yard okay. run in my head. How old over... is he? He's a freshman.
0: Re- really? Yeah. No, he's 18. Quote unquote a years freshman. Old. I just I have, you know it's funny I haven't been able to find his birth certificate. I think anywhere. he can
2: eat Derrick Henry for breakfast. I can't
0: find his age. It's not listed. His birthday. It's not listed <laughs> on the <laughs> Alabama site. It's not listed anywhere. I I searched. I fell out a wormhole yesterday. Oh, Thirty no. minutes online couldn't. You're find gonna him. start
2: just, a whole momentum now. I'm just saying, But Brenna, <laughs> thanks
0: again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, as always, to both guests on the show. And really thanks to every guest that we've had this week. Six total. Matt and Brennan today. Big thanks to everybody who stopped by and made this week a great week and a great way to start 2017 on the Money Mitch Effect. You can find this podcast, as always, on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect. And you can follow me at Twitter, Money Mitch M21. Some sports takes and other things. I do want to give a big shout-out to Team USA Junior Hockey. They beat Canada yesterday, a 5-4 shootout thrower. Good job to the boys the red, white, and blue. I'm a big hockey fan, as you well know, and it's great to see them get a trophy, especially against our neighbors up north. Big shout-out to Team USA Hockey. That's going to do it for the Money Mitch Effect this week. You can find this, as always, uh, every week. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. You know, it is going to be a great, great journey. Some big shows on tap next week, some big guests coming on. I'm going to... We'll leave it out there. I'm not going to spoil that. I'll just leave it up to your imagination. But some big guests next week. I am Mitch Michaels. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this was the Money Mitch Effect.